Okay, so Smoke and Snow, we're starting off in New Zealand. Weimar and Brock have recently travelled back in the company of a couple of Fort Eastburn guards and Mercy Dixon, who is the the cast. She's a member of Fort Eastburn, and she's the castellan of a, a sort of a watchtower that's been built near Deerson fairly recently. So we start off with you guys in the village, and obviously we've just sort of off camera. Yanis uh, is kind of giving you guys a bit of a sort of update on what is going on. So we won't go all the way through that proposal again. But essentially, uh, Mercy Dixon is proposing on behalf of the, the Lord of Fort Eastburn that they're expecting come the summer that a lot of people from Rohaline, the home continent, who weren't willing to like risk danger to come and settle in Balconan originally, they're probably going to, now they know it's a little bit safer, they're probably going to want to come over and take advantage of all the hard work and the risk that people like yourself have been through. Obviously they're not too keen on this idea because they, they figure, well we're the ones who risked all the dangers, why should they now swan in and reap all the rewards? But they're expecting this to happen, so basically they're trying to build a series of watchtowers and forts along the southern coast so that if Rohaline people do come over and they start trying to push their weight around and like start trying to take over they're in a position to like resist that and go like no we're fine well, we've got this like we're the ones that like, risk all the danger so like leave it uh, they've basically as as a Weimar will have told you They've proposed this idea to the people in Deerson, who seemed pretty willing to sort of accept the idea. When Weimar and Brock warned them that, like, oh, there's pirates in the area, we've just killed a load of them, there's possibly retribution on the way. In order to help them, Mercy Dixon left the vast majority of her soldiers in Deerson to help them defend in case any of these pirates did turn up and she's only taken two bodyguards with her to visit New Zealand and she's effectively proposing the same deal to New Zealand she's saying oh, whilst all the all the watchtowers etc will be like loosely affiliated with Fort Eastburn the, the current lord of the fort is very keen to have people from the area actually in charge of the various fortresses because they know the local people better they know the issues that bother the local area stuff like that they're in a better place to sort of more fairly deal with stuff like that they'd suggested that they wanted to build one of these forts in the ruins of Castlewain because there's plenty of stones plenty of building material there there's no one actually living there they'd obviously heard of you all before they sort of came here which isn't surprising given like your various adventures thus far they apparently the Lord Eastburn had proposed that Weimar was a potential candidate for being like the Castellan of this fort if and when it's built but they said without the agreement of the local villagers and the local people they weren't going to build it that's why they've come here to like ask before they even started building that so obviously it's been a lot more sort of flowery in character there's been a lot more sort of talking backwards and forwards but that's the sort of rough idea obviously 
on a sort of domain level Eastburn is trying to expand its sort of its reach as a domain with the ostensible goal of having a firm hold on the southern coast in case any people from Rowaline try sort of like exerting influence over Valconian come the summer. So this has all been laid out, you're all there as part of the, the chat and everything that's going on. Josiah Means, the, the elder of New Zealand is there as well. Mercy Dixon is there with the two bodyguards, one on either side of her. Is there anything you guys would have wanted to bring up during that conversation? And at the minute it is just a conversation, they've not come in and they're not like, hey, we're building a fortress, like, get on board with the programme. They're like, this is why we want to build the fortresses. If we're going to build one in this area, we want one of your guys to be in charge of it, but also we want to check you're okay with it before we start it. So would any of you guys have had anything you wanted to say during that conversation? Or any questions you um, ask? So I guess, uh, <clears throat> so I have a kind of out of context question. Um, the Fort Eastburn is the Grima Wormtone dude, right? That's correct, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Okay. Okay. So also I guess for additional context, uh, we had the pirate slaver captive, and uh, there was a sort of test that Weimar was was trying to do as far as like what what kind of people these are, the Castellan and the bodyguards, um, by uh, you know figuring out what to do with the with the pirate, and it was sort of. At least Weimar's conclusions, and I think probably Brock's as well, uh, that the Castellan at least was on the level, and um, sort of the kind of people that we would like to associate with. Uh, that's not to comment at all on what happens in Fort Eastern, but yeah, we yeah, sort yeah. of like checked out the Castellan of this this tower. Yeah, they okay. they, they basically had a bit of sort of when they were like, oh, this guy's a slaver. What should we do with him? He's told us this information, but we can't really just let him go. And um, Mercy Dixon was like, well, you've already told us he's enslaved people. He's no doubt killed people. I think it's pretty obvious what we should do with him. Like, we know what he'd be sentenced to if, like, he was brought to trial in this. And they basically said, yeah, we're fine with that. And they turned him over to the Ice Walker woman he was obviously like tied up and whatever they turned this fate over to the ice walker woman who was one of the slaves they rescued and she killed him then they uh, the the rest of the group's instigation they sort of like hung his body up from a tree as like a warning something okay and john do we does this story sound plausible or does it sound more likely that since this guy is not a noble and he's claimed the fort that it's more of a he's trying to protect himself or do we think he's we, we think it's feasible that he'd be trying to protect the land and everyone in it it's difficult to tell exactly because obviously you you've not really had a great deal of like dealings personally with seth brown and like the sort of previous seneschal of east but you've heard the rumors you know like, oh did, did he kill the previous lord to take over his position but you don't really have like a great deal of hard information and you've sort of You've glimpsed him a couple of times, but you've not really had any like solid interaction with him. It's perfectly possible he could be doing this just to like boost up his own power base. He also could be genuinely concerned that he doesn't want people like coming in and taking over after everyone else has done the hard work. Or to be honest, it could be both of them. 
because yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he might as he might well be interested in like preserving like the sovereignty for want of a better word of Valconan, but you might also be by doing that. Obviously, also I make sure no one's challenging my own power base. It could be either or. Okay. Now, was there any details on how the vassal ship, I guess, would work? Is it do we have to pay them? As as far as you understand it, from what you've been told they would pretty much pay for the the fortress and there would be a garrison of men put in the fortress and then whoever was in charge of the fortress like say they've sort of mentioned Weimar as one of the candidates they would be sort of left to their own devices they they spoke briefly to Weimar previously the idea being that every so often like the castellans of all the fortresses would like meet together with like lord eastburn and any of the other lords from the fortresses he can get on board and then like, any grievances would be aired, and they would decide on a course of action with which to go forward. Because the, the very much the idea they're sort of pushing forward is that, obviously people in Fort Eastburn, they don't really know what the deal is with like New Zealand and what the pressing issues are there. They would rather have someone who like is a local face known to the local people and can basically if there is a problem locally can then like meet up with all the other lords and be like look this is going on this is the problem i know these people like how are we going to deal with it so they're not relying on sort of second-hand reports and rumors and hearsay which all sounds very reasonable how truthful it is obviously you don't know okay and i guess then if we take a little sidebar yeah of course among the three of us yeah, I mean, you, you, obviously, obviously, this is like happening over a period of time, so you'll have a chance to like yeah. step yeah, yeah, aside yeah. and discuss between the three of you. What do you think of this story, Weimar? Seems a bit too good to be true. Well, I think it's it's plausible, and they're also acting on it. They did mention that they had sent sort of runners i suppose with similar kinds of you know suggestions to the other forts as well and uh it, i i think there's actually something going on there more or less what they are saying here and i think that's probably also partially due to the fact that whoever's there uh, they won't have the kind of title that people from the old country are going to respect when they come over like he's going to be just another steward yeah, and yeah. They'll, they'll toss his ass out and put a cousin with an actual title on his seat. So he I'm, he may be a thoroughly reprehensible person, as we have suspected in the past. <laughs> or And at the same time, I, I think he's probably looking for uh, self-preservation, much as anyone else. Which, you know, <laughs> yeah. that, it doesn't make it clean. Uh, but I think he's probably scared of the same kind of stuff we would be because none of us have actual claim if the lords come over because they'll just decide what is actual claim and it's not going to be us so yeah yeah and i do think it does formalize our claim to a certain degree if if he claims that as a mm. duchy then we can mm. claim a barony and um that's that's true at the very least like if we're looking at this in terms of of 
there is going to be a lot of rich people coming over soon. Mm. <laughs> we, we are not that. And uh, if we have a village with a palisade, a couple dozen mercenaries, it's going to last very long against the warship mm. bombardment for a day or two. Then they'll just waltz right in and <laughs> take whoever's left. Mm-hmm. So I think in in the long term, having friends is what we've been trying to do uh, anyway. Now, is this going to be a bad thing once we actually meet this new lord and see if he is the kind of person that we thought he might be when we wandered into the mountains? I, I have no idea. But in the meantime, there's no harm to have him build a fortress nearby. Yeah, um, I mean, alliances have been known to end. Mm-hmm. And uh, of course... A it's, new barony is formed. That's very true. Uh, now, I'm not looking to say, let's go into this with the intent of bailing out if he is, you know, if he likes to... Uh, if he has questionable tastes, I think we're probably going to be okay. There's not going to be a better option coming over from the old country when where that is concerned. Now, if he's actually doing something in the mountains that we would want to put a stop to, whether that ties back to whatever um, we have discovered so far of the ancient heritage of this land and the things that have happened here, like if he's tied up in any of that, and I think he, you know, there's every chance he could be. Um, who knows what's in the mountains? We didn't find, we didn't explore enough. Yeah, if we he's didn't tied find up, anything except that. Yeah. Hmm. If if he's tied up in any of that, of course we need to address that, and you know, alliances be damned. We'll we'll forge a new alliance after he's dead. But you know, if we have a chance of making this with like a slightly reprehensible person who, you know, has the usual characteristics of a noble. <laughs> I, th- I think it's worth a shot, at least, to try. Yes. Yes, I think you are right, and I think... <clears throat> yeah, if if the man and the castellan are to be trusted, then there is a good chance that the men who are sent here to protect us will protect us and not become part of the problem. Um, and should the worst come to the worst, then uh, should this lord pass away peacefully in his sleep, um, then surely one of the castellans would be in line to replace him. Wouldn't that be ideal? <laughs> if, if, and look at us here, planning a coup already. <laughs> I slapped Malcolm on the shoulder. <laughs> Whilst I see a problem. <laughs> Sorry, say again, Quint. I see a problem. You're effectively inviting the wolf in. Yeah. yeah what no, if those mercenaries is... are used to then slaughter your village? It's it's a gamble either way, I think, at this point. Because it's it's a bigger unknown what's going to come over from Fort Eastburn, I think, because we 
or at least I think that I like to think that I know what's coming from the home uh, lands. And uh, it's, it's not going to be good for us either way, uh, what comes over from there. It's going to take longer, maybe, for them to actually get their act together, but I think they're starting to do that now, by now. Um, There's no I guarantees have... in this. Uh, I, I, I'm 100% on board with that, Quentin. The idea that it's if we have a tower with soldiers next to our village, regardless of if one of us is formal, formally in command of them, there's, there's no guarantees there. It's This man might have arranged a coup in Fort Eastburn. Now he's the lord instead of the old lord. Yeah, there's, there's, there's no good choices here unless we want to pick up and make new New Zealand somewhere on the uh, ice shelf. <laughs> Because we, we could probably do that and no one would care about us anymore. But as long as we're on the coast, we're probably looking to have to take one of these deals. And how attached are you to New Zealand? Very. We, we put a lot of effort in, to be mm -hmm. sure. And what are the future prospects of New Zealand as it stands? It's the only. Uh, it's one of the few locations that have access to, like ports, for incoming ships. So there is another cove, but we think the prospects are quite good. Um, I guess while I don't dispute that the Lord is a is a snake, and you want to be careful, doesn't bite us. Um, he doesn't really need to build a fort if he wants to invade well my point is this i mean you're one of the few ports yeah now let's say that the old lands send over a ship they're going to go for the ports aren't they of what use is a tower over there away from the port when we need archers firing at that ship. It's going to take them at least half an hour to get ready and then the time it takes to get to the village by which point you've been bombarded and boarded. I think if they want to build a tower next to our village, they need to do it on our terms. So what are we thinking? They, they put the tower in... In the port. In New Zealand, then? Yeah. Just on the opposite side of the bridge. So we, with a catapult, so we can bombard ships coming up the river. So at least then they can see downstream and know what's coming. That wouldn't be a, a bad idea at all if they're amenable to that. We could put it literally at the mouth of the bridge on the other yeah. side. Yeah. That, that's and a very good idea. An advanced warning. It's a very good idea. If they're willing to do that, I think it would be. And regardless of anyone coming in from the old country, it would be a, a fine deterrent for, you know, bandits from the whale song. Yeah. Forest. 
is this an <clears throat> idea you propose to Mercy Dixon or? Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely take it to her. Okay, yes. Yeah, so how, how do you how do you sell that idea to her? So, uh, before before we go and negotiate with the Castellan, are are we saying we're going to take the tower, but we want to point the location for it? Is that what we're doing? Yeah, that's what we're saying. Yeah, I think so. Okay, um, sure. So I'll I'll go and, and find the castellan and says we've we've conferred and uh, we've determined that we would like to join in this great effort. However, there there's some concern about the location of the tower and its efficacy, as we are in fact on the very coast. This uh, this a young, fairly charismatic woman who's wearing the, the purple and black heraldry of Fort Eastburn. She she sort of looks at you with a little bit a little look of con- slight concern on her face and then she says uh, concerns about the location. Yeah, we're what we're thinking is if and this is entirely the case, we are a port. Quite accessible to water. We would rather have the tower at the river rather than at the ruins of Castlemaine. Because while the ruins of Castlemaine are close by, they are not at New Zealand. So, I see. So, so your concern is that uh, the the tower in the current proposed uh, location wouldn't have the, the necessary immediacy for dealing with any threats? That's entirely our, our concern. That while it would be helpful, it would not, not be supremely helpful. It would be uh, more of a... Well, let's just say that if something were to happen in New Zealand, we would rather have the assistance of uh, the, the tower immediately rather than an hour afterwards. I understand. Now, obviously, I, I'll have to... I'll have to run this past uh, the, the, my lord. Uh, I, I'm just a messenger, after all. But uh, speaking informally, I, I don't perceive any great problem with that. I I know that my lord's original idea of locating the towers slightly out of the, the civilian population centres was just to keep the disruption to mm. such villages and towns to an absolute minimum. Hmm. Well, uh, you'll find out in short order that we like to do business. So, uh, in that sense as well, having the, shall we say, the garrison be close by to where our services, merchants, tradespeople are, would be uh, quite conducive to that sort of activity as well, we like to think. Indeed, so, I, I know that in the the long term, my lord's idea is that replacements for for the garrison, etc., would be recruited locally because obviously local people have more of a stake in the events that are going on in the area. But until you've had sufficient time to to train and retain those people, of course, a a sort of a a stand-in garrison would be provided to. To, to man the tower until you had enough time to recruit your own people. Very good. 
while this um, conversation is going on, Quentin, you spot sort of like up to the north where there's the uh, the gate into the village. You see what appears to be a a ragged-looking man wearing a cloak. He has he has like blood all over him. His cloak's ragged and torn. He's got signs of like injuries. He comes. See, you're too far away to like hear what he's saying, but he's like, he's waving an arm about. He comes staggering through the the gate to the village and almost like falls into the arms of Clarence, one of the the mercenaries that have been hired to protect the the village of New Zealand. Clarence is sort of like knelt down by him, sort of like holding him as this uh, bloody man that you can see he's like trying to say something to to Clarence. I'll sprint over. Yeah, no problem. So I'll move you over. So you sprint over. You're fairly spry, Quentin. So you get there just in time to recognise uh, a man called Enos. Now, you would know from your background that at a point in the past, the the players effectively recruited a group of like bandits and outlaws who were like more outlaws by circumstance than real want or like evilness led by a woman called Remember McCord and they offered them a place to stay in the village now they agreed they said they didn't want to actually live in the village they were going to live in the woods nearby but they agreed to help like defend the village in return for the hospitality and you know when the winter got cold they could shelter in the village it was all a nice arrangement and this guy is basically like the second in command of that group you can see from looking back that he's obviously He's got marks which you would recognise as maybe like animals, sort of like attack marks. You can see like spots of blood as he's obviously ran out of the woods. And as you get closer and like say Clarence is like cradling him on the ground. He's like, oh, I got, got here as fast as I could. There's uh, wolves, huge wolves. They're, they're heading this way. M- M- killed, killed loads of the men. McCord. McCord stayed behind to try and uh, delay them and hold them off. Uh, I, I was the fastest runner uh, that they sent me ahead to warn you, but uh, some of them got the drop on me. Uh, I, I eventually made it away, but uh, I didn't think I'd make any sort of like he's clutching the like the, the jerking of the guard trying to like hold on to him. You see his eye, one of his eyes is like blood covering it, partially dried, and he's sort of like he's trying to look at him through his one good eye. He's like, oh, there. They're quick, they're devilishly quick. They'll soon be here. You need to warn everybody. Get ready. At which point, like without saying a further word, Clarence sort of like puts him down on the ground, reaches inside his jerk, and he pulls out like what, like a, a big tin whistle, effectively, and he blows a single shrill note on it that anyone in the village will hear. You see. Out of the main guardhouse, the the grizzled figure of Cotton Nickel, who's like the sort of commander of like the New Zealand Guard, looks out and he's like, "What is it, Clarence?" He's like, uh, "He's like Nickel," and he like gestures down at Enos. He's like, uh, "Large wolves on the way." He's like, Nickel goes, "Get that cart in front of the in front of the gateway, then block it off." And he sort of like, he looks around. And you can see like he looks at the. The other people who were sort of stood on guard at the the palisade, and he's like, "We've got incoming, like we prepared for it. Get yourselves ready!" And obviously, you can all hear him shouting. 
he disappears back into the main guardhouse in a few seconds later you basically see like a trapdoor open on the roof of the guardhouse and you see him come out and he like sits sits on the roof you can see he's holding like a large crossbow and he basically starts like checking the stringing of it he's like got some bolts and he's like stuck into the thatch and he's like thumbing one into the into the crossbow like get it obviously getting it ready Clarence who stood near the gate he shouts Rufus Rufus and you see like the recently arrived sort of messenger courier guy sticks his head out for the building he's like Rufus any of your lot in the the village city he's like no I am um, I sent them all out to the uh, to the various other forts and settlements you know to try and um, put the word out about our messenger service he's like well get over here then man and give me a hand with this cart or at least get Enos out of the way at which point like, Rufus like moves the injured man out of the way Clarence looks at you Quentin and he's like give us a hand with this cart will you start shouldering the cart then yep no problem so the two of you basically grab this heavy wooden cart and pull it in the way so it's like a makeshift sort of barricade or gate and as all this is going on in the distance you hear the sound of howling however you've not actually seen any wolves as such yet you've got a little bit of time what do you guys want to do Um, is there towers at the gate? There aren't towers at the gate. No, it's a simple like wooden palisade with like a little okay. sort of a, a little sort of wall behind it, so people can like stand on it and like fire bows over it. But it, but it is a simple wooden palisade. Okay. Awesome. So I think I will. Uh... And like I say, you've got a bit of time, so feel free to move yourself wherever you want. So I think I come up. How high is the? Can we shoot over the palisade? It'd be quite difficult to shoot over it just so like from the ground. Have a like say there's like effectively a little ladders and then there's like a little wall like halfway up it that you can stand on and like okay. fire down. So I'll jump up onto that in this corner and get ready to shoot my bow. Yeah, absolutely fine. I'm gonna get on top of that building. Yep. And aim a bow towards the lowest point which is obviously the top of the car of course yep no problems what about yourself Wymore so mm -hmm. do we have any indication from which particular side or, or direction the howls are coming from or is it just, you know, general? They, they appear to be sort of coming from, like, this sort of direction. So, like, the direction yeah. of the woods uh, over from the yeah. east side. Right, right. Okay. Um... Oh, no. uh, what time of day is it? You arrive there fairly early, so it's probably sort of like mid-morning. There's a there's a, a fairly light sort of snow 
falling. Obviously, the temperatures are pretty much always cold now because we're heading into the Balkonian winter. But we're not like deep, deep into the winter yet, so it's not terrible. But the, the light's fairly good at the moment. Like I say, it's mid-morning. I think somebody needs to grab all the mercy. She's still standing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um... yeah she, she, she will be moving. Don't worry, I'm telling you guys. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you want to do. I think... Uh, wait, Josiah is the alderman, right? He is indeed. Yeah. Um, and don't don't worry about him. He'll be like making for like one of the buildings and like staying in there because he's an old man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, as soon as they're like walls, he'll be like, "Yeah, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be getting indoors." I think I left the kettle on. Yeah. Don't, oh, do I smell gas? <laughs> yeah, he, he like runs into his home and he's like, "You hear the sound of like the door being shut and like stuff being pushed up against it." Yeah. Which, fair, he's like he's like quite an old man. He's not exactly going to make a lot of difference in a combat. Yeah. Um, is there room here? Because uh, I'm going to grab Bullseye. Um, well, uh, if we're going in turns, uh, then Bullseye is not there yet. But... Well, that, that, that's fine. We're not strictly in rounds yeah. at the minute, so that's fine. Yeah, so I'll, There's probably I'll... enough for one more person on top of the guardhouse. Yeah. So I'll... Um... Yeah, no, I'll, I'll go up. And uh, I'll motion for Bullseye to basically be on the lookout for where he could go. Uh, See, so he's going to be uh, making his move when it becomes apparent, like where we need more bodies. So okay. So as you're doing this, you hear Mercy Dixon saying, "You men, get over there and help them reinforce that gate." And you see, like her two guys, sort of like running over. Taking up position with like their spears, like behind the cart. And then she she actually looks in your direction. Why, Marvin? She says, uh, "Where do you want me?" Um, I'll I'll shout and point. It's like, help Anne for now. Yep, no problem. She moves over there and she. She heads up one of the little ladders onto the little palisade wall. You see as she sort of gets up there, you see her sort of like reaching behind her cloak and she pulls out what you obviously recognise as a black powder pistol. Mm. You see her sort of like pulling around like a, a little like bandolier with like obviously a couple of like ammunition pouches on and she's starting to like put the powder in and like getting this pistol ready. And then a few moments later, as the the wolves continue to howl, these gigantic wolves begin to run out of the forest, closing in on New Zealand. Far larger than wolves you have seen previously, with a dull red glimmer to their eyes, spittle dripping from their snarling fanged mouths. Okay, can all of you please roll me a d6?
Okay, Grant, so actually you all spot this. Wonderful. <laughs> so, as the as the wolves are running towards the the stockade, for want of a better term, you notice that the wolves already have some of them already have like signs of injury on them, and they don't look like weapon fire, you know, they're like crossbow wounds or like sword wounds or anything like that. They look more like sort of ragged claw marks on several of the wolves. Okay, how long and how much space is there between each claw? There's about, uh, I mean, obviously it's difficult to tell exactly because they're yeah, like yeah, really but like, so the, roughly. The, there's roughly like a hand's worth of space between each of these each. marks, and each one of them is about sort of like an inch wide. And it's we, like we don't three like sort of jagged marks. <laughs> we, we don't like whatever did this, <laughs> is what Wymore thinks, as he's getting his black powder gun out. Okay. So the wolves continue to gallop in. So obviously we're going to come to initiative now, as is the normal way of things. So I'm going to ask, can one of you guys, it's up to you who wants to do it, roll a d6 for your sort of like, Player party initiative. I don't mind who wants to do it. Nice. Okay, and let me make a roll for the. And basically, we'll have you go first, then the the friendly NPCs sort of on your initiative. So I'll make a roll for the unfriendly NPCs. Right. Okay. So you guys will be going first. So. As these wolves come running up, first of all, we're going to go to Malcolm. Malcolm, what are you doing? Uh, I just want to shoot the nearest one. Yeah, that's absolutely fine, mate. You're wrong. Uh, 11. Okay, that is not enough, I'm afraid. So your arrow, I assume, skims the hair of one of these wolves. It lets out a bestial snarl. As you can see, it's like it's sort of dropping down into a crouch as though it's getting ready to like spring up uh, to the stockade wall. <coughs> okay, Quentin. What do you want to do? If you're speaking, you need to unmute yourself, mate. I'm going to hold my action for a second and just get the general gist of what's happening. Okay, no problems. So we'll move on to Weimar. Um, shoot this one with a pistol. Okay, go for it. And it's in point-blank range, which gives me yep. a bonus. Which I never remember, but this time I do. See, all it took for you to remember your bonuses was like a pack of dire wolves attacking you. <laughs> oh, that, that'll do. <laughs> I guess that's a hit. I was going to say, n never mind that to bonus. <laughs> when you like hit that like natural 20, yes, that is most definitely a hit. <laughs> so I assume you were shooting at the one nearest to you. Yeah, this this guy. 
Okay, yeah, no problems. So you take a shot at the the dire wolf. There is a loud <laughs> as the the gun discharges. You see your your shot strike the wolf. A spray of blood goes up from its coat, like a bit of fur sprays up into the air. And I'm gonna make a quick morale check for them because you've just discharged a black powder fire on. Because their culture doesn't have black fire yet. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> so you discharge this black powder firearm and the two wolves here. And in fact, all although they're not sort of like in a screaming, like panicked route, the wolves do start falling back a bit from the wall. Apparently a little bit less sure of their previous action, given the sort of foul acrid smelling smoke that's drifting across the battlefield now you can tell they're like they're almost sort of circling rather than like fleeing but previously they were just sort of full ball like going for it like yeah we're going to leap over these walls we're going to tear into people there then there's this thick belching cloud of smoke and this horrible acrid smell and it causes them to fall back a bit almost like with a sort of unusual amount of intelligence, you know, Weimar for wolves, almost as though they're sort of like rethinking their course of action. Yeah, I guess the fact that they're not running away is the th thing that makes him go like, wait, are, are they reassessing this? Like, this isn't fire. Yeah. Okay. So, obviously, Quentin, you've seen this. Do you want to jump in now with your action or? I will aim at the direwolf here. Okay, no problems. Right, so I'm going to make a quick roll for the NPCs that we're shooting at them. So one, two, three, four, five. Okay. Okay, so there's a flurry of arrow shots from the defenders of New Zealand, and there's another loud crack of a pistol as Mercy Dixon discharges her firearm at the wolf that's sort of slinking away from the wall where she's situated. You don't see any sort of major hits scored on the wolves, like a few arrows sort of skim them, they get a few minor nicks and grazes but nothing sort of remarkable. However, because they've been driven back, they're effectively going to spend their turn sort of circling around them, so they're perhaps like looking for a sign of weakness or somewhere they can get in, but they're not just like charging forward. So we'll move back around to you guys again. Obviously, Bullseye still hasn't gone yet, so if you want to do Bullseye, why am I? You can do. Yeah, so... Yeah, okay. And Bullseye is going to... Um, can he get on the palisade from where he is? Yeah, there's loads of like little wooden ladders yeah. that can just climb right. up onto a palisade. Wall. Right, so he he's going to be on on top there and move to like halfway point here and uh, shoot at this one. Okay. 
Come on. Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's still enough to hit. However, it, as the wolves are sort of like slinking away, it's a very sort of like shallow hit. I mean, you know that he's hit it, but he's not done a massive amount of damage to it. You see it's like a shallow sort of crimson greys scored in the grey-black flank of this creature as they're sort of like circling round and yipping and howling to each other. And we move on to the next round, so it's back up to Malcolm again. I think I will just shoot at him again. Might be better. Uh, 16, 4. That's enough to hit. Again, you fire an arrow at this creature and it slices into the side of it. Okay, Quentin. I don't actually have a bow on my character sheet. But I'm going to shoot the bow at the wolf. Well, as you're, uh, as you're sort of like, oh, you look around, you're like, oh, I haven't actually got a bow. Um, Clarence, who's like basically helping reinforce the, with a sort of a, he's got like a spear, he's like helping the soldiers from Eastburn sort of like have their spears out so they can't just leap over this cart as you're sort of looking around you see him he's he sort of like one hand still on the spear rests against the cart he just sort of like flicks his cloak round with his other hand and like jerks at his back and you can see he's got like a short bow in like a with like a, a quiver on his back and he's just like grab it yeah. yeah no problem you grab that and I will stick a short bow on your carriage sheet There you go, you should now have that on your carriage sheet. Yep. So yeah, shoot this one. Yep, go for it. <laughs> AC 11, so I think that's a fail. It is, yeah, you need 13 or more to hit these guys. So obviously, you've spent most of your turn sort of like grabbing the bow off. Clarence, you do snap off a quick shot, but you've not really had time to like aim carefully <laughs> or anything like that with it. So you just sort of like, and it doesn't manage yep. to hit the creature. But you've got your bow, you're sorted now. Okay, one more. What do you do? So, hmm, I think we're gonna have to holster the pistol for now and. Uh, Take a longbow, shoot this one. Okay. There we go. I believe that's a hit. It is indeed. So you fire an arrow from your longbow into the creature, and you watch with satisfaction as it sinks into the the back leg of the creature as it's sort of slinking around. It lets out a sort of yip or a howl of pain. And then obviously we've got Bullseye. And uh, Bullseye is going to continue shooting at this one. Uh, not 
Not with the hand axe, he isn't. Twelve? Not enough, I'm afraid your arrow goes a little bit wide and sinks into the ground. Okay, let me make a quick roll for the, the friendlies. Okay, again, you see... You see, so like Mercy's like having to like try to reload a a pistol. Obviously, she doesn't have like a bow on her like you do. You know yourself why my like, reloading these pistols takes time. So it, she's going to be a while. Ulysses and Anne, further down on the wall, fire their short bows at these wolves. They don't manage to land a hit on them though. And in the next turn, the wolves come charging in, and as they reach the walls. They're effectively going to be like leaping the walls. He's come running in here. He's come running in here. Okay, so the ones on NPCs. Okay, so as you guys are also like fighting and you're firing weapons at the, the wolves and various things like that, you hear a loud scream from the south. And as you look, you see one of these wolves that has leapt over the, the palisade onto the sort of the short platform behind it. You watch as it tears Ulysses down to the ground. You can see that sort of fighting has broken out elsewhere as these wolves are like leaping up at people. But everyone else seems to have pretty much defended, sort of fended these wolves off. You can see the soldiers of Fort Eastburn are sort of like pushing their spears out and sort of trying to force this thing away from the cart. Obviously, we have Clarence, Quentin, and yourself, Malcolm, sort of fighting off this other wolf. There is also, of course, Weimar and your man who is the leader of your defence, Cotton Nickel. So fighting like this. However, there is one wolf that's going to be attacking you, Weimar, which is the one that's sort of been shot, which is here as it leaps up towards you. And I'm going to make a quick roll for that. Okay, you take four points of damage as this wolf with a mighty leap. Obviously, these are these are humongous, like dire wolves, leaps up onto the roof of the building and it rakes you with one of its filth encrusted claws. Okay, back round to you guys again. Malcolm, I will drop my bow and take out my sword. And try and smash this. Uh, 
Okay, so that's four points of damage on him. Okay, yet yeah, you stab your sword into the flank of this creature as it's launching this assault on you. And you're rewarded when you see splatters of its blood fall onto the sustaining the ward of the palisade red. Quentin. This, I take it this one's now in stabbing distance. Yes, very much so. Right, and so I will throw the bow behind my shoulder and stab it with my silver dagger. Go for it. <laughs> and stab it, you do. It's assailed from both sides as first... Malcolm like, shanks it with his sword, and then as it's trying to pull away from that, you come in from the other side, Quentin, sort of coming up underneath it with your silver dagger and plunge it into the chest of this beast. It's still going, obviously, they're quite tough given the size of them, but you can see that there's like you're wearing it down. Okay, why more? There's a wolf on the roof that's lashing at you with its claws yeah the the roof the roof uh, has a wolf and as the uh, old song goes yeah as 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 you do uh i'll once again uh bring out the sun sword uh, you pull out the sun sword and there's the obligatory like uh, yeah it's like sun shines out from it and uh it's not as impressive in you know daylight but yeah that's true uh, yeah, it's gonna be shield, sun sword, and we're gonna we're gonna deal with this. Presumably not undead, John. No, <laughs> I thought to check, but uh, here we go. Come on, praise Gale. No, <laughs> no, no. Okay, so you do draw the sword out, and you would lash out with what would have been a very telling blow however you're effectively like fighting on a thatched roof so mm -hmm. as your your footing's very unsure because it it's a thatched roof so as yeah. you're sort of going to attack it like your foot goes through like a weak patch in the thatch mm -hmm. like your sort of wooden peg leg because there's like a narrower like yeah. frontage yeah. to it and you actually yeah. like sort of sink down you quickly pull your leg out but it throws the aim of your attack off however we've still got bullseye so bullseye is going to uh head this way and oh not quite there but there and uh sword hand axe and yep. this wolf is the target come on wolf's, wolf's eye i guess that's the new name no unfortunately no okay so bullseye runs along like the sort of little palisade wall like launches himself in with his hand axe but doesn't manage to land a telling blow on it. So I'm gonna roll for the the friendlies. Okay, so as you watch you hear a cry of jubilation from one of the fought Eastburn guards as he plunges his spear into the wolf that's trying to get over the cart and you see it sort of shy back as his spear is plunged into its side as you watch his 
his fellow, undoubtedly buoyed by the, the success of his fellow soldier, also jabs his spear into the side of the same wolf. As you sort of you glance across Weimar in the direction of Bullseye's shouting, and you see Mercy Dixon as like Bullseye comes running in, she stops. She just like drops her pistol onto like the floor next to her, pulls out a short sword and stabs it into the wolf that's menacing her. You hear it howl in pain as her sword finds its mark. Okay, and then it's on to the wolves. So the one that's got Quentin, Malcolm, and Clarence, I'll make a quick roll to see which of you it's going to attack. Cause it's just um, could I have put myself in harm's way to attract the attack? If you wish to do that, you certainly can do. Okay, yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, you don't have to make a roll for it. That's absolutely fine. Basically, if you're sort of like throwing yourself in front of it, it will just attack whoever's in front of it. That's an 18. Uh, 21 is the number. Okay, yeah, so it lunges towards you, attempting to latch its strong jaws onto you. However, at the last moment, you pirouette out of the way of it, and its jaws snap on empty air. Okay, the next one attacking the, the two guards from Eastburn. With renewed vigour, perhaps spurred by the injuries it's taken, it pretty much smashes through the cart rather than going over it. And you see one of the Eastburn guards basically gets like grabbed in its mouth and is like pulled back through the wreckage of the cart. You watch from your vantage point, Quentin and Malcolm, as this huge wolf pretty much throws this guy around like a ragdoll and after a few moments flings his body onto the ground where it lies limp and broken. Okay, so we have the we have the wolf attacking Weimar. Yes! <laughs> Gale is with us. Indeed, you managed to evade its snapping jaws. Okay, so the other one's gonna be attacking Cotton Nickel. You hear shouts from Nickel as he's like fending it off. Then we've got the other three down here. This one's going to move up here. So we've got two attacking Mercy and Anne. They're fending it off quite well, and then we've got one attacking a bullseye. Okay, that's five points of damage for bullseye. Johannes, as this wolf clamps its jaws onto his leg, you hear a, a loud swearing exclamation from the tall ice walker man as he's basically sort of going like that with his axe and trying to like bat it off his leg you can see some blood dribbling around its mouth as it's clamped onto like his thigh basically 
He's he's just about to get his artery nicked, so he's very close to death. Yeah. As you sort of look over, you can obviously see like bullseyes looking in like a bad state. Okay, back round to you guys, Markham. Yeah, I will just lay into this one near me with my sword. Oh, that'll do. Oh, that'll do. <clears throat> Ten points of damage on him. Okay. That is almost enough to kill it. Ooh. Almost. So you you stab the sort of respect into this dire wolf and it sort of starts like falling back a bit. You can see from the way it's moving, it's uncoordinated, like one of its legs is like dragging uselessly on the ground. It's obviously trying to like pull itself away from you but you can tell it's like it's not long for this world thanks to your mighty blow however before it manages to crawl away from you obviously we've got Quentin stab it go for it okay so as this sort of already like nearly dead direwolves trying to crawl away from you would you like to describe the cinematic fashion in which you dispatch it Trying to crawl, it's not really going to be cinematic if it's crawling away, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to talk you up a bit, mate, you know. <laughs> I'll just plant the base of the knife up to the hilt in the back of its neck. Yep, you literally, like, sort of jump on the back of it, which, like you say, it's nearly dead, so it can't resist, and you drive your silver knife up under its skull. It lets out a long, sort of, like, strangulated... Sort of spittling crusted howl which only chokes off as you like ram the rest of your dagger and like half of your hand home and then as you pull it out and let go of the head that you've been holding onto with the other hand it just slumps forward and lies still its last breath hissing out in a wisp of smoke okay one more so so, so, uh, it's just going to be the same, really, uh, to get rid of at least one of these. So, Sun Sword, once again, flashes out. Hopefully, this time, I won't fall through the roof, but we'll see. That's better. That's much better. <laughs> yep, so you plunge the Sun Sword into the creature... The light momentarily dimming as it enters the body of the creature. You pull it out. Again, you can see that this wolf is now. Its movements are a lot more slow and uncoordinated. You can see that like one of its its eyes appear to be slightly glazed over and unfocused. You think it's pretty much done for, but with the savagery of a cornered beast, it's still attempt. It's just snapping out wildly now, like any sort of coordination is gone. It's almost like in its death throes, effectively. Okay, we've got uh, Bullseye. Right, so Bullseye is going to do uh, the sort of best thing he can currently, which is like he's going to get his foot free and he's going to fall down. Yep. And um, provided he's able, 
he's gonna, you know, get himself up and um, switch to a bow and yeah. continue shooting up there. Because I presume, like, these, these are basically, like, walking up to the sort of palisade or, or jumping. Well, they're, they're jumping up to it. They're, they're dire yeah. walls. They're, like, twice the size yeah. of a normal wall face. Yeah, because it, it doesn't take a lot of effort <laughs> to get across. So... He's, he's going to try and put a shot in with the short bow while uh, contemplating when would be wise to actually go away and tend to his wounds. Yep. Here we go. Uh, short bow. Come on. No, no, he's he's too unsteady. Uh, and I think he probably just like staggers back on the ground. Like, oh, and he's like, basically there's like a red streak from the wall to where he is standing currently because he's bleeding. Indeed. Okay. So friendly NPCs. Okay, so the guard at the gate is having no luck. So further stabbing this wolf that's just killed his his fellow soldier. Cotton nickels sort of flailing around at this other dire wolf, not the one you've just hit, Weimar. Trying to sort of like bat it away from the roof to stop it getting up. He's not managed to do any damage to it yet. Then we have the the battle for the south wall. And again, they don't seem to be doing great either. They're managing to sort of keep them off, but Mercy and Anne, they're sort of slowly being overwhelmed because there's three of these like creatures on them pretty much. Okay, so for the wolves themselves, the one attacking the Eastburn Guard at the gate. Again, there is another scream as this time the wolf sort of fully smashes its way through the cart and it tears down the other Eastburn Guard. You hear his strangled scream as he sort of smashed to the ground underneath this creature. Okay, so the one attacking Weimar. Right. This guy? I presume, yeah. The... So again, it flashes out with its claw, and you take three hit points of Ooh. damage. Okay, that's that was not what I wanted to do. Here we go. I was going to say I've got a minute. I felt a little bit of concern that when your hit points just went. Burp. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I was like, damn, Nine, 19 damage. <laughs> what kind of hellspawn wolf is this? <laughs> it's like I didn't realize I put this in the game. <laughs> okay, the one attacking Cotton Nickel. Oof. unfortunately hits him you hear like a, a shouted sort of scream that tapers off into a curse as this thing clamps its jaws onto cotton nickel and then we've got the three on Mercy and Anne Okay, against all the odds, they're guided by Mercy Dixon. So she's like shouting orders to Anne, and you you know she's had some military training. The way she's like shouting orders, 
although they've not really been able to damage these walls they are doing a pretty good job of sort of fending them off and sort of like not taking any damage themselves it's back around to you guys again okay um so i want to call out to quinton to take care of this wall and i want to move uh, can i i can use double my movement can i yeah as long as you don't attack i can move double right so i that gets me kind of down here somewhere um probably here where the same spot where weimar is um and i will i guess call out to weimar to look after the south wall and then make myself as big as possible to attract the attention of the two wolves on the roofs okay no problem so malcolm come shouts for quentin to like deal with the the wolf at the gate sprints across sort of skids to a halt like weapon in hand shouts at you why more to like deal with the south wall and then he basically starts giving it the like come on what are you waiting for as he's like fronting up to these giant wolves okay quentin uh, stab the next wolf okay No, no, no. Okay, no luck, unfortunately. No. <laughs> okay, so, why not? Right, so... If we're thinking like one, two, three, four... Hmm. Hmm, hmm. Well, uh, if I can, and I think this is the way we've played it before, I'll as I go, I'll switch to a bow and take yeah, a shot. That's fun. Go. It's good. Hmm? Okay. Yeah. So your arrow sinks into the side of the wolf that lets out a howl of pain. Mercy Dixon briefly looks in your direction, gives a nod as she's sort of like trying to attack this thing with her short sword. Okay, then it's Bullseye. Bullseye's doing the same thing. No, no. He's I think he's in a bad way. Yeah, I think he's too banged up. You you can see like as he's like lifting his bow up like his hands are like shaking a bit yeah. presumably because of the yeah. shock and yeah. his, his arrow just like sticks into the the wooden palisade okay so friendly NPCs we've got Clarence up there with Quentin he's going to have a pop at this wolf this sword doesn't manage to do it any damage okay so we've got cotton nickel Okay, so as the wolf that's fighting Cotter Nickel sort of leaps up towards it, he plunges his hand with his sword like into its mouth. And then in that sort of like cinematic style, as it's sort of like spasming on the end of his sword, he kicks it off the end of his sword and its body falls to the ground with a loud thump. He looks up, he's covered in blood and gore, and he's like shouting down and he's like, Is that all you've got? 
Okay, then we've got Mercy and Anne down here. between the two of them they are able to finish off the wolf that you have just shot Weimar leaving only two of them remaining up here then it's on to the wolves so Clarence is nearer so the wolves can attack him however between Quentin and Clarence they're able to fend it off we've got the one that Harp's attracting attention to, so it's going to attack him as it's sort of leaping over the wall. However, it doesn't manage to get purchase on you, Malcolm. Move it a bit across to here. There we go. And we've got the two down here fighting against Mercy and Anne. You hear a loud curse as one of the wolves rakes Mercy with its claws. You see like a large cut open across her left shoulder. And it's back around to you guys again. Welcome. Uh, so I want to stick it to this wolf. Uh, here we go. Uh, not so much. I graze him peacefully. It's more like a pet. <laughs> Indeed, just sort of gently buff his fur with your sword. Okay, Mark. So we've done Malcolm since Quentin. I'll just continue to try and stab this one. Okay. No. Okay. Why not? Right. Um sling the bow shield sun sword we're going in uh rooting myself in place by impaling the wolf corpse with my peg leg i <laughs> i'll take a swipe at the next one okay no <laughs> so then there's bullseye of course Bullseye is going to shuffle over this direction. Uh, take a shot at this one. But that didn't roll at all. 12. Okay. So, onto the friendly NPC. So, we've got Clarence up there fighting alongside Quentin. Doesn't manage to do any damage. We've got Anne and Mercy down in the south. Who, between the two of them, managed to stab one of the wolves. Okay. And then, as you're fighting up here, Harp, the, the wolf that's been menacing you 
sort of gets ready to leap towards you and then as it does like, its legs just seem to like give out underneath it and it like collapses onto its side you can like, like none of you have touched it cotton nickels not shot it or anything it just seems to like keel over and collapse you can see it's still like breathing but the breathing's like very labored and did we see anything happen to it or it just collapsed it just seemed to keel over okay and it's back to you guys again. <coughs> um, can I stab it in the neck? Yeah. While it's no, not a problem. You don't even have to make a roll for that. As you head over it, you draw your sword out of Eric to plunge into it. And as you do, now you're a bit more close. You can see it's breathing, but it's still laboured. You notice again, it's already got like pre-existing wounds sort of on the side of it. And as you look at the wounds, you can see there's like a trace of some sort of like viscous substance, like just like clinging to the edge of the wounds, almost like a, a thick sort of liquid. Okay. Colourless. Uh, okay, is there like anything we've ever seen before? Any? Not really. Venom we'd have seen, or not? Not really. I mean, like you say, you might assume it's a venom or some sort of poison, uh, but it's not one you're familiar with. Okay. Um, so I think yeah, my plan would be to uh, basically kill him in one blow if I can, and head south to help Weimar. Yeah, you do the dramatic way. You sort of step up to it and you plunge the sword down into its neck, and it expires. I'll just come down to here. Same again, making myself really big and obnoxiously loud okay. to draw attention. Quentin, what about the North Gate? Yeah, I shall try and stab this thing yet again. Oh, there we go. Three points of damage. Okay. And stab it, you do. It's still going, but it's starting to look rough now as you plunge your silver dagger into it again and again and again. You hear like Clarence, who's next to you, is like sort of fighting it with his spear, and he's been like pushing it back with you. He's like, "Come on, we've got it on the ropes!" As he's like <laughs> jabbing his spear towards it. Why more? Okay. Um, yeah. No. Um, we we once more into the preach. Still in the breach, doing very little. <laughs> Making it look good. Indeed. Okay, you've still got <laughs> yeah. Bullseye. Yeah, Bullseye is going to, once again, desperately trying to steady his hand enough to get a short bow shot off at this one. Yeah, no, I think he's just done. Like, he's he's actually just tending to his leg wound now <laughs> instead of actually shooting anywhere. That's fair. <clears throat> so, right, so the friendlies, we've got Clarence up there fighting with Quentin. who plunges his spear, as he shouts, we've got it on the ropes, he plunges his spear into the wolf, finishing it off. Then we've got Mercy and Anne fighting these two down here. Okay. 
they're holding their own, but they don't seem to be doing any major damage to the wolves. So, the wolves themselves, the ones, those two are going to attack Mercy and Anne down in the south. Again, they seem to be doing quite a good job of holding them off, though, and the wolves aren't able to get purchase on them. Back round to you guys again. Malcolm. Uh, okay, so I will jump in here and try and smash this one here and definitely get right up into his face so that's me he attacks next. Uh, okay. okay, that looks like a hit for three points of damage. Indeed it does. As you leap up, you jab the the tip of your sword into this creature and it howls in pain. Okay, Quentin, the wolf you are fighting is dead. It is an ex-wolf. Alright, so I shall start making my way towards this little group over here. Okay, that's fine. If you're not attacking in this turn, you can move, double your move. There you go. Yep, you run up next to Bullseye. You see, like... This this tall like sort of Nordic ice walker. Normally they're pretty pale with like piercing blue eyes, but he is like beyond pale. He's like almost the colour of the snow. You can see he's got several deep wounds across him. He's trying to like staunch the flow of blood on this like horrendous like bite wound he's got on his leg. Okay, why more? <laughs> Stand your ground! And then we swipe once again, doing nothing. Making a good show of it, though. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, however, there's still bullseye. Okay, uh, being sort of satisfied with the very impromptu, like, a cloth tourniquet, tourniquet that he's got going, uh, I'll... Once more, same target. Is it actually a hit this time? Thirteen. It is indeed. <laughs> Which one was he shooting at? Uh, the the uh, sort of this this guy. Okay, so Bullseye sort of manages to pull himself together enough to fire off an arrow. It sinks into this wolf that howls in pain as the arrow sort of sails past Malcolm and sinks into its side. Okay, so friendly NPCs. Clarence is going to take up a position here. Like, since the, the cart's been mulched, he's sort of trying to protect that. We've got Mercy and Anne down here fighting these wolves. So I'll make a quick roll for them. Okay, so Anne manages to stab her sword into one of the wolves. Is now starting to look a bit ropey. Mercy sort of like gives her the thumbs up, but she's too busy like trying to fend off the other one. Okay, so the wolves, we've got one attacking Malcolm. Doesn't even get close to you, Malcolm. And then we've got one attacking Anne. Okay, there is a loud scream 
from Anne as the wolf literally like jumps into her, pushing her off the the wall of the palisade and into the village proper. There's a sickening crunch as she disappears underneath behind sorry, underneath the body of this giant wolf and her scream is cut off in a strangulated gurgle. Back round to you guys. Uh, so I will, uh, quite upset about the death of Anne, turn around and swing at the creature that just killed her. Okay. Oh, that'll do. And swing you do. Uh, so seven total. Okay, so would you like to describe how, with the the righteous fury of anger fueling your blow, you dispatch this creature? <laughs> um, it's literally stood on top of the mangled body of Anne. Yeah. So as it's kind of standing there, kind of getting ready to go down for a bite, and um, I just kind of run up behind it and come down with like kind of two arms and kind of chop its head off and just kind of proper records and that's what happens we see sort of in a cinematic style its mouth going forward to like clamp around the the head of the deceased body of Anne. however as it does so its head continues forward with the sound of your shunk, and the head tumbles off the body and rolls a short distance away from the body of Anne, never having made that last bite there is only one of the wolves remaining so, Quentin. I shall switch back to bow and shoot that wolf. Go for it. Okay. Oh. okay, no dice, I'm afraid. One more. What do you do? I stride forwards across the corpses and... Take another swing. Please connect. I think we might be onto something here. Ooh, yes. yes. <laughs> Indeed. You have struck the wolf. However, it's not enough to kill it. It's definitely looking worse for wear though. And obviously we've still got bullseye. Can he can he pull it out of the bag for one last final shot? Can he steady his aim enough? Let's see. There's the first person footage of like the the breathing slowing down, the heartbeat slowing because he's bleeding. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and there's that one frozen moment when he's not uh, breathing. He's holding his breath and his heart has just beat. And here we go. Does he get? Yeah, he does. Oh. <laughs> he does get tricked. <laughs> okay, so now we finally get to see why he's called Bullseye. So, would you like to describe how, marshalling the last of his strength, he dispatches this foul creature? I I think it's I I'm accidentally said it before, but I think it's going to be a cool thing to carry forwards. Like he fires off the last shot and you know starts collapsing on one knee immediately afterwards and then like slowly like folds into the ground watching the arrow sail and it hits the wolf in the eye and the wolf just like pitches off the uh the palisade and uh he goes down and henceforth he shall be known 
as wolf's eye. But okay. that will come later. So, yeah, so I like to think that he, as he sort of like topples to the ground, he's basically like, he's like, that's what you get. <laughs> well, like, falls. <laughs> that's all you got. <laughs> okay, after a few moments of looking around, you can see that there are no more walls remaining. Can I examine the the wolf that collapsed and yeah. see if we can uh, if I can work out what the uh, the viscous substance on his wounds was? Yeah, that's absolutely fine. You head over to the the wolf that just like collapsed. Uh, obviously, you've like you've killed it. It's thoroughly dead. You look at the wounds, and again, you see like this this very thick, almost like viscous, like colorless clear liquid sort of clinging to the, the sort of large claw marks that are down its side okay and if I like grab a torch and put the torch to the viscous substance does it, is it like flammable it, it doesn't appear to be flammable I average you sort of like touch a burning torch to it there's like an acrid sort of almost okay. like an acidic like smell sort of wafts up from it Okay. Um, so I'll turn to Weimar and Quinton. And I'd say I'm not sure what attacked these creatures that forced them to travel towards our village, but whatever it is, it's clearly a, a, a creature with some sort of poison or venom. Um, I suggest we burn these creatures and... Um, see if we can't trace their tracks back to find out what creature attacked them and uh it's you'll probably agree with me malcolm that if you look at the, the claw marks we're talking about something that is very big yes a very large thing uh, I, I say let's take a sample of whatever this is i'll you know gesture at the, the stuff and uh we'll, we'll get it to the sage for later yeah yeah, and as as you're doing that, you see Mercy Dixon has like climbed down from the wall, and she's doing that thing. You know, you go like that, and you like close the eyes of of a dead person on Anne. You see, she's sort of like low at her head. She's like mumbling something under her breath, and like closes Anne's eyes. She takes off her her cloak and just sort of like drapes it over like her ruined body to cover it. <coughs> she, she sort of like looks up in the direction of you guys who are gathered around, and then she says, "Well." Quite a sort of through like gritty teeth, like she was a brave woman. I wish I had a chance to know about her. She was, and she sort of like bows her head respectfully. Then she sort of like looks around and she's like, Did either of my men, which looks at you, Quentin, she knows you're up the north gate, she's like, Did any of my men make it? No. Again, she sort of like lowers her head a little bit and says, uh, "Good men, both of them. Their their loss will be routinely, well. as I'm sure they would." 
Well, we all knew the we all knew the risk when we got into this business. You'll agree that we uh, might benefit from a close proximity when it comes to the garrison. I I think given recent events, I and you see like she's still holding her side where she's got this where she like, grimaces occasionally in pain. Her voice is a bit sort of a, a bit of a strain. And she says, "Yes, I don't think I really have any cause to." to argue with your assessment given recent events uh, when I return to, to my lord I shall make a strong recommendation that uh, he agree to your your terms anything special you want done on behalf of your soldiers no uh, Sim a simple ceremony is fine we're I'm sure you understand we when we entered a life in the military we we knew this was probably going to be our fate none of us are are greatly religious so whatever simple ceremony you you conduct for your brave defenders will be more than suitable for my men well, uh, we I, think it, I think it's only right with your permission that they be buried here after all this is where like your people they fought and died That's fine. So I presume we're going to start and get, go through the process of, you know, cleaning up, getting the bodies buried, <coughs> all, all that. Yeah, no problems. Yeah, so it's probably getting to sort of like early evening by the time you know you've checked out the sort of surrounding area, you you've gathered up the bodies, you've burnt these wolves, etc., all of that sort of stuff. Uh, Enos, the the man from McCord's Bandits who brought you a warning, he's he's out of immediate danger, although he's going to take some time to recover. As as you're all sort of like gathered round afterwards, like the the grim business of burying being done. Enos says uh, he's still he's basically laid down, but he's like uh, he's like oh you've got to you you've got to get to the the forest. McCord might still be alive out there. I think he's right. I think we should go and see. He says I I, I left it just to. Just beyond the outskirts of the of the woods to the northeast, I, I was a faster runner, so she sent me ahead to warn you. Go take a look. Yeah, I think so. Go. Okay, you all head off into the the woods to the northeast, and after a while, searching around, it's just sort of getting to early evening. By the time you finish your search. And you eventually find, remember McCord, this sort of, this quite sort of stern-looking woman wearing like furs and piecemeal armor. She's alive, but she's seriously injured. She's slumped against a tree. You see the bodies of pretty much all of her men lying around her, sort of slaughtered, and the six of these huge wolves sort of mingled in with the corpses of her dead people 
at first you don't even spot it because there's so many dead bodies and then you hear like a <coughs> and you see her sort of like slumped against this tree uh, a crossbow sort of like clasped across her chest she's covered in blood she's alive but she doesn't look very healthy okay so I will uh, I guess kneel down beside her and give her some water and kind of help clean her face yeah, she, she and... takes she takes a couple of gulps at first, and then she's like, <coughs> and then she starts like sipping more jelly. Um, she's like, "Thank you." Um, tell me, did you see where the wolves came from, or what what caused them to attack? A day ago, we we found it to the north, a couple of miles to the northeast of here. We found some large wolves like these, and she points a shaking hand at some of the corpses. Uh, dead, uh, they they had huge claw marks in them, and uh, I, I think they've been poisoned. We were about to investigate when we were when we were set upon them. They, almost as though they were they were heading southwestwards, almost as though they were they were fleeing from something. We tried to hold them off, but some got past her. And then she's sort of like, as though she's like, her mind's all on muddling she's memory. She's like, T tell me, did, did Enos make it to to New Zealand? He did. Oh, he did. God. Badly wounded, but he lives still. Good. Um, and she sort of laughs and then... And like, enough time to warn us. She laughs and it sort of breaks off into a racking cough as it obviously pains her. And she says, well, he's... He's not much of a bandit, but he's the, the fastest runner I have. I'm, I'm glad he was able to reach you and warn you. Is the village safe? Yeah. It is, for now. Not without our casualties, but the village is safe. Um, Good. Good. Let me bind your wounds as best I can and we will bring you back to the village. She nods. Um, and we'll check for other survivors in the instrument. Um... And I'll start binding up her wounds while the others check for survivors. Yep, you check around. You don't find any other survivors, but you are able to bring a McCord back to the village. She's out of any immediate danger, but like Enos, she's going to need to like rest and recuperate for a while. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So then I guess we need to go back and bury McCord's men after... We have um, made sure she's out of danger. And then I guess we need to decide whether we're going to follow this creature, whatever, whatever this creature is. Okay, so by the, time you, by the time you guys have finished, like, presumably burning the wolf corpses and burying um, McCord's men, it's getting to early evening. So for convenience, I'm going to say that you all like to reconvene back in the village to like plan your next move. Because like I say, cause obviously you don't, you don't really want to be like tramping around the woods for some unknown beast like in the dark, and it's it's getting yeah. on a bit. So you all reconvene back in the village. McCord's men are buried. These other wolves that are in the forest have been burnt. Again, some of them have this viscous like liquid on their wounds. But as it starts getting dark, you all reconvene back in the village to discuss your next move. I think we need uh, more guards 
we've lost at least two uh, just today, and we were already a number short. We were uh, our traveling companions. Yeah. Um, and as loud as I am to leave the village with such a creature a number of days to the north, I really think that we need to find more men to protect us. Um, I don't know how soon the Lord might send men if he does agree to build a tower. But my sense is we need to find our own men and hire our own guards. Yeah, and, and we can't rely solely on the tower. Uh, no. M Mercy Dixon says, obviously sort of like tending to her own wounds, but she's obviously gathered around with you guys. It's like, well, I can, I can certainly put in a request that a, a temporary garrison be sent to sent to New Zealand to bolster your forces but uh, obviously I'll, I'll have to get back to the the fort in order to to make that request so it'd be a it'd be at least a couple of days before we could get anyone here I mean I could I could head to uh, I could head to my tower at Staffstone and spare some of my men but uh, even that would take at least a day And is there many men to be hired in the fort these days? There, there are, there are always people willing to uh, to, to sell their swords, so to speak. Uh, but as for the the quality of the training of such freelancers, I I couldn't say. <laughs> training we can provide. Mm. Um, uh, Mercy, would you be able to travel to the fort and hire ten men for us and send them down to New Zealand for us? Save yes. us traveling. I, I don't think that'd be a problem. However, it'd be it'd be quicker if I if I went to to, to my tower, Staffstone, and requisitioned ten men to send here. I think, given that you are you are willing to accept our our offer of building a tower here, with the with the alterations in location that you had said. Uh, I, I think as a sign of good faith, I'd be perfectly happy to temporarily send 10 of my men here to, to help bolster your village. At least, then, at least then I'd know that they, they had sufficient standard of training. Hmm. Okay, well let us do that and then that will allow us to travel north and see what creature might have done this damage to these walls. Very well. I'll, south towards us. I'll start heading back to, to Staffstone at first light once I've had time to rest a little. Yeah. Okay. And I'm going to suggest, guys, we have a short five-minute break here, refresh your drinks, etc. 
then we can come back and it'll be the start of the next day. You guys can decide how you want to proceed. Oh. Okay, so we'll be back in five. Go, man. Bit, bit of wolf fighting to ease you back into the game, man. That's it, mate. Nothing like some giant wolf trying to kill you. That's it. Well, <laughs> 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 well, you know the old saying, man, what doesn't kill you only increases your XP total. That's true, man. I'm looking forward to like the next time you guys try and like hire like hirelings or retainers and they're like so so what happened to like your previous hirelings? <laughs> well uh, ignore this gravesite. <laughs> they went upstate. That's it. Well we've sent them all to live on a special farm. <laughs> Retirement plan. That's it, yeah. That's Okay, so now as a little bit of an aside, I'm going to ask Weimar, can you please come up with the name of someone who you were fairly close to back in your military days? Could be male, female, someone you got on with quite well when you were fighting in the armed forces of your homeland. And a brief description, if you want. That's that's fine. Could be one or two words, whatever. Okay. So we're gonna call this person. I put it in the chat. Cedric Cadel. Okay. And if you had to pick a couple of words to describe Cedric Cadle, what would they be? Mm, this is from the army. Yes, said. from your military days. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, maybe, maybe this is like a sort of camp follower. I'm thinking like a basically a scavenger. Like a like a looter that goes over the battlefield after the fighting is done, and uh, gets the good bits. Kind of like a merchant, very you know, uh, self motivated. <laughs> okay, um, for what reason was your character close to this person? I'm not I'm not saying you were like brothers mm -hmm. in arms, but you know, like you, yeah. you had a regard mm -hmm. for each other. 
I think it was because uh, Wymore was trying to make sure that the people that he knew that died, that he could get their like personal effects <laughs> and send them home if that was possible. So he would um, find Cato after a fight and be like, oh, I, I saw my friend go down. Like, I know that you go over the corpses, so like, I, I want to buy this thing. Okay, so the last time you saw Cadle, he was actually sort of getting out of his previous job. He was like, the la you sort of lost touch with him a little bit, and you'd heard he'd gone into like sort of independent, like mercenary work, but you haven't really had like any contact with him since. Now, on the the sort of night when you finished burying everyone, you know you've uh, you've got McCord, etc. You're you're all sort of retiring for your meal. Like, we'll discuss this further in the morning. You're heading back to whichever building you've decided to shack up in in the village. Why am I? When suddenly, um, from behind you, like without you having heard anyone approach, like an arms looped around your neck, and you feel like a very small like blade, just like being like pressed against your neck. Not enough to draw blood, but just being like pressed against your neck there, like, you know, of its presence, and you hear the the familiar voice of Cedric Cade or just say you're getting slow my friend I lost the leg <laughs> at which point you hear sort of like laughter and the, the the knife's like taken away from your throat and you turn around and you see you see some Cedric Cade stood there although he's like several years older and looks like mm -hmm. he's been through some stuff since you last saw him mm -hmm. yeah So this is unexpected. They did they stop killing people on the old continent? He says, "Well, no. I after last time I I saw you, I got out of the, the scavenging game. I did a uh, I did a spell as a, a mercenary, and then I moved into more uh, specialist work. And as he like as he sort of like puts this tiny like sort of stiletto style like dagger away, mm -hmm. you see he's got like a." sort of bandolier with like knives across his chest mm -hmm. and he just sort of like slides the one he was holding into this bandolier you've got friends in high places then he says I'm, I'm not sure high places is the right word for them but um, I, I thought given given how good you were to me previously that I, I ought to at least come and warn you he says listen Lime Grove I don't know what you and your friend have been up to, friends have been up to, but someone's put a price on your heads. I don't, Which I don't, continent? Barconan. He says, look, I don't know exactly who it was, but I know it was fairly recent, and the price is pretty large. Okay. Uh, are we talking just me, or... Are you and your friends. I think they said. I think there was four four names in all. If I remember correctly. Okay. Well, I appreciate it, and uh, I presume you're going to want some form of payment for this, seeing as you turned down said bounty just now, or at least one fourth of it. 
no, that's that's fine. I consider it a a recompense for for all the times you helped me out. I wasn't really able to pay you back then, but I can pay you back now with this. Let's just consider a square. Besides, I'm not going to be able to. I'm not about to stay around here much longer. If it's found out from my friends that I've warned you about this contract, then they'll come after me as well. It's okay. it's not the done thing you see amongst the circles I now move in. Well, um, John Smith, I'm glad to have made your acquaintance, and uh, I, I shall do my best to forget that this ever happened. Uh, be careful out there. And you. Shake his hand. And it, he sort of shakes your hand, turns around and like disappears off into the darkness. Now, Quentin and Malcolm, if you wanted to have been nearby and have seen or heard any of that, you can have been, because it was just as you were all like getting ready for the night, so entirely up to you guys. Interesting. <clears throat> I wonder who we have upset. Who would have the coin? It has to be one of the lords. Or our resident sage. But probably wouldn't put a bounty on us. As you're saying that, Wamo, you sort of like move it in Quentin with your sort of like because obviously you're always on the lookout given your sort of your vocation shall we say as you're sort of as why I'm sort of moving you spot that like and you probably saw this when the person was actually doing this when they were like shaking Weimar's hand they like slipped something into like it's jerking like Weimar doesn't seem to have noticed and you can just see like the top of like what looks like a bit of like red cloth or something like that like sort of poking out it appears to have been entirely unnoticed you're like oh they've got some skills because they're just like I'll casually pick it out yep so Quentin sort of like takes a step towards you like reaches inside for like, like the top of your like shirt or you're jerking basically why am I pulls out this like neatly rolled up bit of like red cloth that you don't remember putting in there why am I you've not seen it before and as you folded out Quentin you can see that it's a small piece of red cloth and it has like a white sort of skull with a little cross underneath it is that a thing we would recognize the symbol or so is this similar to what we know about the pirates it's very similar you might almost say it was the same it was the same icon um, this this is a uh, basically of, the, the symbol you see. It's the same as like the tattoos that all the pirates yeah, have that you encounter. Yeah, yeah. I don't exactly know how it works with them, but this is at least one of the symbols that the uh, slavers use, the pirates. So this is going to be the ghost then, uh, I think, being the sort of pirate admiral, I guess you would call it, the fishman. Uh, no, the fishman was a, a, a captain uh, in their fleet of three ships, if I recall correctly. So he'd have enough coin to do it then? Uh, he, he would. And so would the ghost, which is the, the number one over there. 
but either one would probably have the coin to pull this off for sure. And where are they? Are they near us? Do we know where they live? We, we sort of, uh, if if I pull out the map, I believe we have one more of their sort of secret code things marked out, which we didn't go to because it's uh, the the opposite direction. But we know at least two places where they make landfall. Indeed. Now. Let me move uh, you all to the map. But we we don't exactly know where they make harbor, um, sort of like for repairs and that kind of thing, and resupply. Unless they just you know send out the the small boats, and then the folks go on land as if like oh we're just you know set you know pilgrims or whatever, and they go to a fort and buy stuff and come back. Okay, so we don't know if, how that works. if you guys can all see the map now. This is that's the cave that they went to previously where they met the pirates, and this is the rumored location of their of the other sort okay. of like hidden inlet that they use that they've not been to yet. And they were told at the time that like the, the sort of pirate fleet was like somewhere to the west of there on the coast, but they don't know specifics. Okay. Well, I guess there's nothing to it, really. We can't, we don't have a ship, and we can't exactly, like, people know who we are, because we've made, we've made absolutely no secret of it. So I guess, what, what do we do? We cause more trouble for them, or do we ignore them, I guess? Well, Generally, if you remove the person paying the bounty, they can't collect it, so the price on your head should technically vanish. Plus, they have boats that we could claim as spoils of war. Oh, yeah, Plus, it'd be fun to rob a pirate. Yeah, it would be fantastic. And I would like to have a bard nearby for the song afterwards. Uh, but getting to the boat would be uh, a whole thing. Done quietly at night. Yeah. yeah, we just need to find one that is close to the coast, and we that, I get, that's going to be the first step, right? Um, yes. Well, then we need eyes on this location because they'll have boats. Yeah. What are our priorities? Where the, the sort of garrison thing is being dealt with. Right, we we made a sort of plan with the Castellan to yes. We we need to go and figure out what this wolf wood situation is. Yes, I think that is a priority. I think we can deal with the pirates in time. Um, I well. think probably let's go see if we can find any trace of what this is in the. In the wolf woods and if we can't well, we'll just come back and go on with other business until something else okay comes. but just bear in mind that forever how long we've got this price in our head we're going to always going to have people coming after us yes that are equal or better than your friend he's very good though like i wonder what happened to him because he used to be knocking out gold teeth from the corpses afterwards on the on the battlefield. Now, Quentin, so based on your sort of 
training you're like pretty sure that this guy is either a, a very skilled thief or an assassin of some kind given like how he managed to like get into the village without anyone spotting him and literally get right up to Weimar and be like Wait. yeah but he's a he's a good one like even even back in the you know bone picking days there were people who dealt with that badly and he wasn't like one of those yeah but time changes everybody it does it does he was not a killer back then he was just doing business well he looks like a killer now mate he, he does very much so um and i'm very happy that he still remembers some of the good times and i think that's the only warning we're gonna get yeah oh, absolutely absolutely and he's going to be in trouble anyway uh if any of this gets up so let's not do that so it'd be advantageous to deal with the actual problem then being the pirate it's going to be a big trek. Uh, so I guess there's two options here. We go into the Wolfwoods to see if we can figure out anything else. And the garrison problem moves on of its own accord. And the other option is we head along the coast, try and get a, get a sort of window to maybe deal with some of this, this pirate problem and the bounty. And we're going to leave all this to play out as it will. Uh, with the garrison and uh, whatever's in the woods. Let us spend a day in the woods. See if we can't find this creature. And if we can't, then we can go and deal with the the direct pirate problem. Um, okay, so obviously this is happening at the end of the evening, so you guys all head to bed, like, planning like, you know, we can finish this discussion in the morning and then head out where we will so you all rest up for the evening which means you can regain 1d3 hit points if your hit points down and obviously you can roll for a uh, bullseye as well Yeah, he's still looking a bit rough, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Okay, so next morning when you guys rise, uh, McCord has recovered a little bit, although she's still not really well enough to travel. Um, she, she basically says that she can... Now, now her, her head's a bit clearer if you want she can give you directions as to where like they sort of first encountered the wolves like where they were coming from yeah definitely okay so i'm assuming uh based on previous why i was like oh, show me on the map where the wolves were <laughs> mm -hmm. okay and she indicates an area here Which is like a day away, basically. Okay, well, let's spend the two days traveling there, having a look around, traveling back. And then by then, she should be back from the Starstone Tower or close enough with her 10 men. And we could be somewhat confident the village is in good hands before we go chasing pirates. 
Okay, so following the directions you guys head out, starting fairly early, so it's probably sort of late afternoon when you get to the area, and as you arrive in this area, you can see what appears to be nestled amidst the pines of the wolf forest is what appears to be an old sort of stone like ruined chapel or an abbey perhaps and i will move you all onto the the map guys can all see the map uh, not quite I'm just refreshing that's fine. Uh, not yet it's fine it's okay. loading it can be time to just drop your your characters on there anyway so one question are you taking wolf's eye with you uh, no he's gonna recuperate okay Okay, so hopefully you can all see that now. Not yet, mate. Okay, no problem. Let me know when you can all see it. I'm there anyway. Okay. Yeah, I can see that, mate. Okay, cool. So, as you're looking across a small stream with a, a wooden bridge, the, the stream's pretty much frozen anyway, so you can walk across it, you don't need to use the bridge. You can see what appears to be ruins of a stone abbey, and sort of at the back of it, at the sort of almost the limit of your vision, you can see what appears to be a, a large stone statue, and curled around it is this serpentine-looking being with two large wings and an almost scorpion-like tail that sort of curled around this huge statue as though it's sort of perched on it. How about them pirates? All right. guys want to do I can get a closer look this looks like a job for a battalion 
maybe we should all speak in whispers. I mean, if, if you did want to get a closer look at Quentin, you could certainly try and move silently attempt. Well, do you want me to get a closer look, or are we just going to back away and say, we'll come back another time? What are we thinking, Malcolm? I'm thinking it might be clever enough to talk. And I'm wondering, you know, speaking about alliances... You want to parlay with the thing? I kind of do, yeah. But the thing that just probably sent all those wolves our way. Yeah, but wolves don't talk. Yeah, but they do bite people in half. Yeah, but why don't you guys stay here, and I will go and speak to them. Waymark, can you talk to him? Ah. Uh, <laughs> don't quite know how I would approach that. <laughs> um, right, so I'm going to walk across the bridge, bowl as brass. Here, here. I'll, uh, I'll whisper to Quentin. Here, here it goes. <laughs> um, and. Yeah, so I suggest you guys hide in case this goes wrong. I'm going to hide. I like to in... think you uh, you sort of like, you turn around and you're like, oh, uh, guys, <laughs> I suggest you hide and you turn around and like, Quentin's just not there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got a roll for this, hold on. <laughs> yeah, just give me a sec, guys. No worries. Yeah, I guess behind a tree trunk, I go. Yeah, that's absolutely yeah. fine. There you go, John. There's my hide, <laughs> Okay. Um, okay. So I'm just going to up to here. Is the creature asleep, do we think? It doesn't appear to be. You notice it's sort of like its head like turning to regard you as you approach. Ah. And you can see like steam hissing out of its like nostrils. As you're a bit closer now, you can see that it appears to be the, the huge statue that it's uh, it's coiled around is a, a huge sort of almost like granite looking statue of a of a man who wearing sort of strange archaic garb he's like he appears to have like chains around him and you can see what look to be like fragments of like <coughs> blue pigment as though like once the skin was like painted blue but it's also worn off okay. and this, this thing's like coiled all around it and does it look like human, or is it like a? It 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 does look human, yeah. Okay. Um. Okay. So what am I gonna do? How do I do this? So I guess I'm just gonna keep approaching. Um. It, it's sort of like had to like turn, and is it like watches you approach? Um. And when I get about whatever 20 feet away um uh what am i gonna say what am i gonna do um i'll just kind of say master wyvern um assuming i know what it is um yeah it's a pretty safe bet that you're like yeah let's go wyvern uh, 
Um, uh, it's a pleasure to meet you. Um, I wonder if you might spare some time to speak to me. It sort of tilts its head to one side slightly. Um, so I assume I have some sort of um, kind of dried meat kind of rations in my bag um, so I will take out a handful and throw it towards the wyver okay you throw this meat towards the wyver and then like almost quicker than your eye can perceive. It's a large, barbed, scorpion-like tail sort of flashes out and like pierces the meat that you've dropped on the ground, and you can see this colourless liquid like dripping <coughs> from the end of the stinger as it impales this meat and sort of brings it back on the tail and sort of pulls the meat off with its sharp, fanged jaws. Okay. Um, so I'll throw it a second bit. Yeah, again, the same thing. Um, happened. The tail's like... Okay. Um, and has it made any other movements, or is it... No, it's still following you, but it's not made any sort of movements towards you. One thing you do know, Tyler, is as the stinger, like, plunges into the meat, where it does, where this, um colourless liquid touches the meat. The meat almost immediately seems to sort of like blacken and darken in colour. Okay. Did that happen with the wolves too? Did they blacken and darken around the wounds? Yeah, the the area around the wounds was sort of darker, yeah. I think I will throw a third piece of meat and as I do so approach to within 10 feet okay as you step forward it lets out a and again the uh, tail goes up that grabs the meat was it a go away roar or a it, it, it seemed to be quite a sort of threatening roar, and it only sort of really made it as you moved closer to it. Okay. So I guess what I will do then is start backing up. And as you're doing it, it's like chowing down on the last bit of meat, you've thrown it. Yeah. You see it sort of like stirs a little bit restlessly as its coils move around the statue. Uh, and I guess I'll just keep you yeah, dropping further and further away. Okay. Let's see if it. At first, it doesn't appear to. It doesn't appear to react. Then again, you hear a roar from behind you, and as you look back, you see this thing sort of like unfurl these wings and with like a. It sort of like 
takes off from uncoiling from around the statue into the air and it starts like gliding rapidly across the ground towards you. Okay. Um, okay. It's slavering jaws wide open. Okay, so I want to stand up in front of it like I don't want to show any fear because I'm familiar with predators and I know that they don't want, they don't, um, sorry, they react to fear. So I just want to kind of stand up and kind of face to face with it. Okay, Romy 2d6. Uh, seven. Okay, it lands maybe about ten feet away from you. Feel the the sort of downdraft gust around you as it lands, and again it sort of like it lets out a mighty roar in your direction. That's uh, about 10 feet away from me, is it? Yep. While this is going on, what are Quentin and Wymore up to? Watching the events unfold. I am one with the bushes. Okay. In fact, if there's a me-shaped hole in a tree, I'll be inside the tree. <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay, so this thing's all landed and it's growling menacingly at you. Malcolm, what do you Okay, doing? so I want to take a step towards it. And see what happens. <clears throat> Okay. Okay, I presume you 25 is a hit. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the tail flashes out and this barbed tail sinks into your shoulder. Make me a poison, okay. make me a poison save. Uh, awesome. So Okay, so as it, as it pulls out, you can see there's like a dribble of this clear liquid on your shoulder. For a few moments, you feel like very woozy and weak. Your vision sort of swims in front of your eyes and you sort of stagger back a few places as you feel the sharp pain as this barbed poisonous sting is like and pulled out of your shoulder. As you feel the hot breath on this thing as it's sort of like slowly moving towards you now on its two legs. Obviously, 
presumably this is how it hunts you're a sort of ranger type presumably it's expecting you to be like lying on the ground dead after poisoning you so it's sort of like slightly moving towards you like growling all the time possibly a little okay. bit wary because you've not immediately fallen over okay obviously you've taken six damage yeah I've added down uh, so what I think I want to do is roll around the side of it okay and I guess I want to hit it with my sword and see if I can startle it enough to uh, scare it back to where it's gone. Yeah, go for it. Did that work? No. Eighteen. Okay, that is indeed a hit. So you managed to find a sort of weak point in its scaled hide and drive your sword into it. It does let out a sort of pained, slightly higher pitched roar. However, it doesn't seem to fly away or anything like that. So since we're sort of in combat rounds now, Weimar and uh, Quentin, what do? You've you've seen sort of Malcolm like backing off, throwing meat and whatever, and then this thing's got close to him and it's like <laughs> And you've seen him sort of like grab his shoulder and like roll out the way, stab into it. I'll uh, I suppose run forward a bit to the other end of the bridge here. Okay. Longbow. Take a shot. Could have used the bigger damage, but... Okay, your arrow glances at the creature, and again it lets out a roar. I'm going to move silently over here. Okay, feel free to move yourself and make you move silently, Rob. Move silently as only you can see. Yep. Okay. So you you run across the softly and as silently as you can across this frozen river and underneath the big tree to be honest I think it's not paying a great deal of attention to you at the minute okay so sorry what were you saying Dave said it suits me mate as long as it's not paying attention to me <laughs> okay so now this creature is going to attempt to bite Malcolm I'll need for that. Ooh. Okay, you take 13 hit points of damage as these this huge, almost draconic-like jaws clamp onto one of your legs. Okay. 
and it's pretty much sort of like lifted you up into the air by one of your legs. <clears throat> okay, so proper has me stuck. I can't move. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, so, uh, swinging up upside down from its mouth, and Butch is going to try and cut its neck and try and damage the soft under part of its body. Okay, for it. Hang on. I've done something wrong there. Okay. Uh, 17. Oh, just enough. So again, okay. you managed to injure the creature. And at this point, I will actually make a morale check for it. Which it succeeds at. So you slice into it, but it's still like shaking you around by your leg. Why more? You can see this thing, Malcolm's like hanging. One of its legs, his legs is entirely in its mouth. He's sort of hanging upside down, like trying to slice at it with his sword. Walk up there. Sling the bow, shield, pistol, take a shot. Go for it. Fourteen. Okay, it's not enough to hit it. However, your black powder weapon has discharged, yeah. so it needs to make a morale <coughs> check. As there's this almighty crack and smoke billows out and indeed it has failed so surprised by the sudden acrid smoke and the crack of your firearm it drops malcolm gives a few mighty beats of its wings and takes off into the sky i'll come can you move <laughs> uh i can limp i think we need to go <laughs> you can see by the way that it's gone yes, like let us go you see it's gone like high up in the sky it's not like it's gone like a few feet up it's gone like yeah. well up it's like a little dot in the sky okay uh is it worth examining the statue since the creature's in yes. the sky i'll, I'll uh, start reloading my pistols like do it, <laughs> do it on the double shall we say uh so I will limp over here and examine the statue and see if there's anything uh, interesting or exciting anywhere around. Okay, so anyone who's searching can roll me a d6. The statue is as I described it. It's like this very tall, sort of very muscular looking man with sort of chains wrapped around it in archaic, almost sort of like proto-Egyptian, ancient Egyptian dress. Um, chains all around it. There's vague flecks of like blue clinging to like the areas that are skin, so it might once have been entirely coloured blue. Uh, Quentin, as you're looking at the large table next to you, you can see there appears to be a large stone tablet on it. And as Quentin's looking at that, Malcolm, you sort of look underneath the the table, and you can see there's what looks to be an old battered book underneath there. I'll give the tablet a read. Okay, no problems. So, the tablet is written in these sort of like old hieroglyphs. Lucky for you, uh, 
both Weimar and Markham have spent a reasonable amount of time sort of figuring out what these hieroglyphs mean. And between all of it, it takes you a little bit of time, but you're able to work out the meaning of it. And it basically says, the ancient ones who tutored us in days of old have departed, taking the best of those blessed with their blood. Most people believe they have forsaken us and turned to their pupils, the Senna, for rulership. But I have faith they will return. Cabrican. Uh, can I grab the book? You can indeed. You grab hold of the book. I'm just going to find the items for those and I'll tonk those onto your character sheets. So, let's see. Markham. You should now find you have an item called King of Blood Book. And I'm just gonna, as soon as I stop, the interface stops messing me around, I'll stick the tablet on Quentin's sheet. There we go, you should now have the priest's stone tablet on your inventory. And obviously you, you've got the book, there's a little button you can click on which should bring up uh, an image of the text. Okay. And can we translate the hieroglyphics or are these different? It, it takes you a little bit of time but you do indeed translate it and it says I cannot let the others in the monastery know. In fact, do you know what? I can just change the picture for you. Rather than me read it all out. Get you to read it out. Let's see if this works. There we go. Hopefully the image, if you look at it again, the image should have changed now so it's written in normal text. Okay. Uh, I cannot let the others in the monastery know they would not understand that the world they believe in is a sham created by the Senna and those who came before them to mask the truth. The past is not what it was made out to be. It is a savage empire of blood and fire where humans were enslaved to the absolute will of the cruel deities who walked the world and they knew it to be their proper place. It is right that there it is right that there should that they should quake in the darkness at the edge of the firelight. We are but meat for the king of blood. Okay. Sounds like a lovely fellow. Yeah. Right, I want you grab hold of me and we'll limp you away faster. Yeah. Sounds like a very good plan. <clears throat> I guess we'll limp all the way down to here. Indeed. However, as you're limping past at this point here, Quentin, you spot what appeared to be two dusty-looking, I suppose, bottles tucked under one of these, like, ruined benches. I shall investigate the bottle very quickly. Okay. 
One of them is a small glass bottle containing a dark green liquid with a small carved skull fastened to the bottle with a leather thong. The other is a, a sort of round-bottomed glass bottle containing a pearlescent liquid. And I will, assuming you're grabbing them, I will add the yep, little take them, yeah. You should it's not tied down, take it. You should now have two items called Dark Potion and Pearlescent Potion. Nice. I shall figure out what they do later. Indeed. And I presume the plan is to pretty much hot foot it away from the area, is that correct? That's that's about the sound of it, I think. Yeah. Okay, so just to check, see if the, obviously it's taken you guys a bit of time to decipher the hieroglyphics and whatnot, just to see if the creature like returns before you've had a chance to scram out of the area. Can one of you, I'm not fussed who it is, just roll me a d6, anything but one, you're fine. I'll do it since I are Simber. Yeah, no problem. You guys managed to hot foot it before the, the wyvern returns. Run away, run away. Indeed, and you all flee from the, the ruined chapel. Well, as Malcolm's in, you we better take him back to the village and heal him. <laughs> Oh, Malcolm will talk about the whole trip as the majestic creature that he'd just seen and how awesome it was that he got to get that close to it. Um, <clears throat> okay, so it, it, take, it takes you a day to get back to the to New Zealand. Obviously, you rest up when you get back so you can regain D3 hit points. Anyone who's down hit points. And yeah, you guys have pretty much been listening to like Malcolm all the way back, like talking about how amazing this creature was. I've never seen anything like it to get so close to such a magnificent beast. Yeah, yeah, nearly ate you. That's not its fault. If if there's a way for you to talk to this one, like you talked to some of the other ones, that would be quite the thing. I am concerned that it is. Um... A little bit too powerful for my meager skills. Not that the thought has across my mind. Shame. Yes. Maybe we'll find a smaller one. Yes. Yes. If you if we find an egg and then you know the conversation probably continues along the expected line <laughs> indeed and I think as you're sort of like limping Malcolm back to the village and you're like maybe maybe if we find an egg and that's where we sort of like fade out to the to the title credits and we draw an end to this session obviously you're back at New Zealand now although we've technically ended the session is there anything you guys want to do just like little tie up stuff when you've got back to New Zealand or are you just resting up? <coughs> yeah, do we need to restock? What's our... Uh, I think we have plenty of food because we were planning on long trips. Yeah. Um, we, we do need quite a lot of stuff if we're going to go all the way across the... Yeah. The map. Um, I think we have everything we need. Um, 
Yeah, I, I guess uh, we're about done then if we've sort of arranged for the garrison to come up and all that. Okay, yeah. so in which case I'll just say thanks for playing, guys. I hope the session was okay for you. I very much enjoyed running it for you. Yeah, it was brilliant. Thanks, John. And obviously, we'll thanks to anyone now who's watching. Again, thanks to my wonderful players. We'll wrap up the recording here. Obviously, we'll sort out XP and that in a few moments, guys. So we'll end the stream here. <laughs>